0: Howdy everyone, this episode is brought to you by Fireblocks. Love, love, love this company. You'll be hearing all about them later from me later in the episode. But now on with the show. Alright, everyone. Welcome back to another weekly roundup edition of On the Margin. I am joined, as always, by my indubitable co-host, Mr. Ah, Scott. The,
1: the adjectives are back. I love it. I love yeah. it. And uh Indubitable that that is that. I'm
0: trying on a new one. See if it yeah. fits. I think I think I, it suits I, you.
1: I like it. I like it. Yeah. So, yeah. all right. I got the Carolina blue shirt on for my for mm. my heels tonight, uh, playing up in Philly, and uh, you know we'll do the reveal. The the yeah you know, I got the orange pants on for the bull market, <laughs> but I got that I got the Bitcoin roller coaster because we are still on a roller coaster. I think we're going to be on a roller coaster for a long time. So I don't think people should get too excited about. Uh, 44K, even though because that's where we were a week ago, uh, before Mm. we were back down in the 30s. So, but anyway, we'll talk. I'm sure about all that stuff.
0: Uh, You don't think the merge is the new happening, and uh, we're all going to rip from here and fundamentals, baby? (laughs)
1: Look, I I think the narratives that people cling to are the ones of number go up, and we don't look at all the other things that are happening. But there are some signs of uh, continued debauchery in the mm. currency markets, which I think you've got some stories on. So yeah. that certainly uh, is a little tailwind. And, you know, the thing I love, though, is, is we always have the uh, the pre-Bitcoin you know Bitcoin conference pump. And then it's kind of like everybody gets there and it's like, OK, it's going to go to the moon. It's kind of like buy the rumor, sell the news. So we'll see. We'll see. Maybe, maybe it yeah. does. Maybe it does go to the moon.
0: I will just say, we've been saying on the show, there's been my firm belief for a while, ever since it was pretty clear that the, the bull market was fading. Uh, you know, we didn't get probably the intense highs of previous bull markets. So I just never thought we deserved the deep lows of yeah. previous bears either. And what I will say is we're already breaking pattern here from previous bear markets. I mean, there was that initial like 50, 60% sell-off or whatever. Yep. And it's basically been consolidating and trading water ever since. Not to say that every, you know... Past performance is indicative of future results. Obviously, that's not that's not the case. But I will say it's it's held up uh, much better than I think a lot of folks thought it would. They were still waiting for that, you know, uh, what's that like the stomach falling out of your soul, bare candle? Yeah, <laughs> you know, <right>? although you <laughs> know, there, there,
1: Again, that that is interesting because I that definitely, um, it's definitely still out there on the horizon. And and one yeah, of the things that, that that makes me nervous, right, is when you look at 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 the, the price action, that consolidation talk about, there's this thing is when you when you get to this this base level and you, you kind of come down and then you hit the base and you bounce off it and you hit the base and you bounce off it and you hit the base and each of the bounces keep getting lower and lower, you get this thing that's called a descending wedge. Mm. And that descending wedge, it's a very bearish chart pattern uh, if you break through... The bottom mm-hmm. and that bottom's right around you know thirty thousand and uh if it's possible I'm not saying it's gonna happen but it's possible that you could have that kind of November 2019 you know we lost 50 percent in a heartbeat from six to three and I remember I remember being with with the guys at an investment meeting and I, you know you guys said <laughs> it would never go below 10 and, and then you said it never and that six absolutely six was the bottom now we're at 3200 it's like okay now it's the bottom which it was but I, I agree with you this this downdraft has certainly not been as as gut-wrenching or as fun if you like roller coasters I kind of like roller coasters so
0: but I think barring some sort of like global big global macro sell-off in the face of uh you know something like Russia, Ukraine, escalating, you know, like food crises, you know, we're going to talk about uh, rising oil prices and how governments are starting to combat that. But I think barring some big macro sell off, it doesn't feel to me anymore, like the market wants to go that much lower. Um, And I I actually, you know, something funny is I I think uh, a lot of people are still calling for like, well, but all the all the crap hasn't been shaken out. Uh, And that Mm -hmm. actually, to me, I'm starting to view that as like, Yeah. Maybe it just won't though, honestly, because I I will say there is, there is some part of me that like just wants like the cleansing fire at just like every, all of these, you know, projects. Well, that's what
1: winter, that's what winter is.
0: Yeah. I I just did a whole
1: presentation on this uh, on Wednesday uh, about, you know, seasonality and that winter Mm -hmm. is necessary for the abundance of spring, right? Winter is part of the natural evolution. And, I think Mark Twain had this great line is that, you know, the happiest people are those that, you know, accept the 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 positives of every season. Mm. they their positives of winter, They're positives of spring, summer, fall. Just just be in the moment and and live it.
0: Yeah, seriously. Um all right, I want to get into our stories here, but before we do, i got to give a quick plug to Permissionless, uh, this conference that Blockworks is hosting down in Palm Beach, and Mark, nice. you were speaking at. Nice, very, very nice. excited about this. Um, yeah, uh, 5,000 to 7,500 people, all things uh, Web3, Culture, DeFi, Metaverse. It's going to be really, really great. Um, we've got a great lineup of speakers. Uh, Chris Dixon, we recently added uh, Do Kwon uh, of, of uh, Terra, Vlad Tenev, the CEO of Robinhood. So really, really great lineup uh, of people. We've also got our own commemorative line of uh, NFTs called Permies. They are extremely Excellent. cute. They are designed by a Pixar uh, designer, and art graphic designer and artist. Um, uh, so go check them out. You can find all about us on our site or subscribe to our newsletter, but highly recommend I'm in. Y'all I'm in. be I will, there.
1: I, I will acquire.
0: The mint is, is coming, man. It's it's uh, four days from now, uh, 29th. Excellent. So um, All right. Excellent. Fire up your engines.
1: I'll have to get off the ski slope to get one, but okay.
0: <laughs> I, will, cool. I will get off the ski slope for you, Michael. <laughs> Mark, I appreciate it. Um, all right. So let's get into our first story this week. So obviously, rising oil costs are uh, being problematic. Uh, we've seen a couple of different governments. So most recently, um, Gavin Newsom of California – is proposing an $11 billion relief package, including a $9 billion tax refund for rising gas prices. Uh, Germany is also slashing its fuel tax in a $16.5 billion energy package. So I'm going to get into some of the more details there. But basically, governments around the world are starting to feel the bite of rising energy costs. Mark, what is your take on this?
1: Here's the problem. The guy, I, I, I tweeted this out yesterday, that you know he's, he's living proof that math is hard. Hashtag mm-hmm. math is hard think about what he said okay we're going to give these gas cards to people based on their car registrations okay so what about people who don't have a car who are probably even hurting more than the people who have a car they don't get it it's so regressive and and it's basically just pandering to uh the voter base right which is the a little more affluent uh you know soccer moms that that Gavin wants to to keep you know well he's he's just he's just a horrible leader
0: to to begin with but um i don't know that one makes me crazy and anyway you know to to Gavin's uh defense here i, I have no opinion on as a politician but he's not alone in doing this right so to give to give you all a sense of, of how mm-hmm. much gas has risen so this time last year gas was 287 the national average is now four dollars and 24 cents in LA prices have climbed to uh, mm-hmm. over six dollars apparently according to AAA and it's, it's not only Gavin Newsom that's doing this so there are similar um, kind of proposals albeit not as large in Georgia in Maryland and yeah. other states are starting to talk about this too and obviously we're seeing it in Germany what I would say is I, I think your point about politicians being somewhat short-sighted and it's interesting to see how various politicians are responding to inflationary uh, pressures. We were talking about this before we got on. This is not related to oil, but I literally had to double-check that this was true. In Quebec, they are worried about rising costs and inflation. So so get this. They're giving $500 each to residents to counter the rising cost of living ahead of a fall election.
1: The the idea that you can give people free money— to solve a problem created by giving people free money is, and this this, this and this goes back to the Fed, right? Everybody's like, oh, the Fed, okay, they're gonna raise rates and they're gonna stop inflation. Really, the balance sheet increased again last week. They're not fighting inflation, they're causing inflation. They are devaluing the currency every single day because as you said, the structural integrity of the global bond market, the global treasury market, has been damaged. You can't have a three trillion dollar deficit, which is what we have in the United States. Three trillion, trillion, trillion. Come I on, know. give me at least a, a little smile, Michael. Dude,
0: I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you.
1: I know. But you can't run a three trillion dollar deficit and expect countries that you have antagonized, like China and Russia,
0: to willingly bring them. Oh, we'll take all your bonds. I know, I but I actually don't see who's winning out of this. I literally can't understand who's winning because. So I don't know if you've seen this. uh, Shoot, someone rich people. people (laughs) Tyler's winning big. big. actually, actually, you're probably right about that. But uh, capital is moving out of China. Uh, It's interesting, and and one thing that I think I misunderstood. Again, non geopolitical expert here, right? And I'm not pretending to be. But one thing that I was thinking about when. Russia invaded Ukraine. Was what is China going to do? And are they going to use this as some sort of cloud cover to invade Taiwan? And what I have been hearing from geopolitical experts who I actually trust is that this, in fact, dashed the hopes of China um, against because they've looked at the sanctions uh, that are being levied against Russia and saying, "Whoa, we uh, we do not want we do not want any of that." Basically, and they're extremely. I think you know one of the geopolitical weaknesses of China is that they're they import like 80% of their energy or something, and the U.S. essentially guarantees those—it those. those tra- it all comes via tanker, right? It's This is all transported over the ocean, and the U.S. guarantees the safety of those trade lanes. So, yep. um, yeah, I mean, that was interesting to me. But if you look— and
1: if you- For now, but Michael, here's here's why—because you said, you know, they, they have been dependent on getting oil, of which the U.S. protects the shipping lanes. That has been true. But what did they just do with Russia? They just cut a massive deal with Russia. To help Russia? No, not to help Russia. To help them to secure long-term supplies of oil and gas over land through these big pipelines that they agreed to like three or four years ago. I I, I think this, I mean, ultimately it always comes down to energy. It's like the pipeline going through Ukraine that they're trying to get. The, you know, Here's the funny thing. As, 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 as badly as the Europeans want to sanction, you know, uh, Russia. And I guess uh, my son-in-law was uh, over visiting companies in Germany. He said, everybody's flying the Ukraine flag and you know, everybody's rah-rah. And, uh, but every day they're sending billions and billions of dollars to Moscow mm-hmm. to pay for all the gas because they can't live without the Russian natural gas.
0: And what is that gas going to be priced in or settled in? I don't know if you saw this headline, but Putin, exactly. but Putin came out and said uh, we want all Russian gas to be essentially priced in, settled in, whatever it is, uh, demanding payment for in rubles. Uh, King just dollar dethroned. Yeah, just interesting. King
1: dollar dethroned, and and look, this and the petrodollar pivot is real, calculated, and. If you think about it, the detente between the nuclear powers, China, Russia, and the U.S., has really been tilted from equal toward American empire by the petrodollar. And that is is being disrupted as we Mm -hmm. speak, that system. And historically, and again, I think we've talked about this before, historically, Mm -hmm. if you challenged... You know, petrodollar sovereignty. You know, if you were Saddam Hussein and you said, I'm gonna price oil in Euros, gone. Qaddafi, yeah. I'm gonna price oil in, in gold. Gone. Why? Well, because they didn't have nuclear weapons. But Putin, I'm gonna price oil in, in rubles. You, you're we're gonna we're gonna sanction you. Yeah, and that's why I'm doing it because I don't want to be dependent on your currency. So I don't know. I, I, look, it's a big game. I'm not a geopolitical expert either. Uh, I mean, I've just been around a long time and heard a lot of, of really smart people and a lot of experts, but uh, I I really believe, and I know most people don't share this, I believe China's playing a different game than the rest of us. They're kicking ass and taking names. And, um, and I think, Russia, the Russia story is very, very, very complicated too, but not
0: a, yeah, I I also think their culture doesn't 100% translate, you know, when I hear Westerners describe the Russian culture, I'm like, I'm not, I feel like I'm not getting the full picture here. They have a whole, they have a whole history, man. I mean, I mean, people have been talking about this now in the context of the Ukraine conflict, the, the history that Russia has of invading anyone, you know, I know that, you know, post-World War II, the Iron Curtain descended, and they were essentially our geopolitical foes, and we launched Mm -hmm. right into Cold War. Look at the death toll of various countries in World War II. So I was, you know, being raised in America, I was kind of raised on this idea, hey, we were the heroes. We rode in and saved the day. We we had our skin in the game, too. Look at the U.S. deaths versus Russian deaths in World War II. That is all I was saying. Look that statistic up. No, look it up. Uh, all right. I want to I transition to this other story because I thought, um, so Larry Fink uh, has said that the Russia-Ukraine crisis could accelerate digital currencies. Um, this is a really interesting story, I think, for a couple of different angles. Um, so just you know, to give you the sense the that's come from Reuters, uh, BlackRock's uh, chief executive Larry Fink said on Thursday that the Russia-Ukraine war could end up accelerating digital currencies as a tool to settle international transactions as the conflict upends the globalization drive of the last three decades. A gl- uh, this is a quote. A global digital payment system thoughtfully designed can enhance the settlement of international transactions while reducing the risk of money laundering and corruption. Um, he added access to global capital markets was a privilege and not a right, uh, saying that BlackRock had suspended the purchase of any Russian securities in its active portfolios. I here's why, here's why I think this is interesting. I think it's really interesting that folks like Larry Fink are starting to make the connection and speak publicly about everything that's going on with sanctions and digital currencies. Uh, it's interesting to hear him say, I mean, that actually a a thoughtfully designed global currency could reduce the risk of money laundering, right? That really flies in the face of like the popular narrative that's been pushed in mainstream media for the last 10 years. And the last thing that I'll say too, I still do see incompatible ideology, I think, between what crypto would say, which is payment should be a neutral form of infrastructure. It should not be used to exclude or weaponize. Whereas clearly this idea of having access to capital markets is a privilege, probably you know that ethos is a little bit un- incompatible, but really interesting stuff. I think. What do you make of, of his statement? <laughs> um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna go below the
1: surface of Larry's, uh, you know, clickbait speak. So, you know, it, it could, it, the only thing he could have done better to get more clicks was to add the word metaverse. In, in that headline, you know, the Russia-Ukraine conflict, crypto, money laundering. I mean, so, look, Larry and, and BlackRock are part of the problem, not the solution. Uh, this idea that, that it, it's a privilege is so sinister. Okay, we had to get sinister in for Sinister Saturday. Uh, I mean, it, it's scary. If you, If you unpack what he just said, it's a thoughtfully designed global payment system, meaning my design. And so when you unpack what he's really saying, he's saying a thoughtfully, when we decide who gets access, it's like that big old fat dude talking about CBDCs. And well, of course we should determine how you spend your money. Of course we should do that. Augustine, I think the guy's name. it's it, it 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 literally. Somebody asked me the other day on a podcast. it said, "So, you know, have you thought about about you know dual citizenship?" I'm like, "Yeah, I think about it a lot. Unfortunately, I don't like mm. thinking about it. I don't want to think about it." But what he's talking about is not a good thing. Mm. And this idea that 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 the Ukraine conflict is accelerating the adoption of crypto. No, what he's talking about is furthering the adoption of central bank digital currencies, not crypto. Cryptocurrencies are decentralized. They actually benefit from the deglobalization, not in the sense of nationalism and populism and let's go back and let's all do our own stuff, but a total world that is independent of nation states where borders don't matter, where we are citizens of the metaverse and we live and interact in a global community. He's talking about the exact opposite of that. Mm. That is very sinister stuff, in, Mm. in my opinion.
0: This episode is brought to you by Fireblocks. I talk to a lot of fast growing crypto native funds, crypto banks, exchanges and the like, and they all tell me they have the same two problems. One, their treasury management setup sucks. They've got analysts wasting time and money on manual transactions. Two, they are not happy with their current security setup. They're sharing passwords, they're sending test transactions, and they're worried that their funds might be at risk. Fireblocks is a platform that solves all of that for you. They're a one-stop shop portal, which automatically plugs into exchanges, trading venues, etc. They source deep liquidity and solve everything from day-to-day crypto transactions all the way down to complex DeFi strategy. And the best thing about Fireblocks is that they offer scalable solutions with industry-leading technology. doesn't matter if you're a two-person crypto fund or a 2,000-person crypto exchange, these guys have you covered. And the last thing that I'll say about this company is that I have known them for years. They are a high-integrity team. They ship product like no other. I would trust them with my own funds. So click the link at the bottom of this page and tell them that I sent you. Very, very important that you click the link at the bottom here. Otherwise, they're not going to know that I sent you, and then how am I going to get credit? So help a brother out, click the link at the bottom of this episode, tell him I sent you. You know what's a funny movie? Have you ever seen um, Starship Troopers?
1: (laughs) Yes, but I don't don't know that I made it through the whole thing.
0: Um... The basic premise is that we are at war with these alien bugs, and it's united the world, but... There are little stylistic things that the director's done to it. It, it mirrors kind of propaganda films that emerge during mm-hmm. during mm-hmm. wartime, and uh, you can kind of see how how things get drummed up in this. Hey, we've got this enemy, national fervor, blah blah blah. And I what I would what I would say is um, I, I got to be honest. I feel ideologically aligned with you in that I do not think that the financial system should be weaponized. You know, but like the, the alternative, right, is um, it's it's hard for me I because the next logical step of that is, OK, if we don't do that, then you still need to enforce things. And the way you do that is with with physical, like kinetic war. And it's hard. You know, I'm 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 a 28 year old male in this in this country. Like I there's there's a chance. Right. Mm-hmm. What are the implications for me? And if I'm in, in, if I'm explicitly not endorsing that, what am I endorsing? So it's it is. I mean, these are hard questions to answer. Here, here's a here's an interesting story. Uh, Ray Dalio, uh, you know, the founder of Bridgewater, uh, has begun is investing potentially through a crypto. I've never fund. heard of him. Who,
1: who who is Ray Dalio?
0: Yeah, he's a pretty big guy. That. He wrote this book called Principles. You might have heard of it. He's a bit of an yeah, author. Yeah, <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. It's a big, big, giant book, like a hundred things. Yeah. Okay.
0: Yeah now now this was kind of a catchy headline you know the below the the below the mass head thing is the it's the world bridgewater is planning to back an external vehicle uh and this is you know coming from two sources reported by coindesk it has no intention of directly investing in crypto assets itself um so still a very you know a a pretty big change in tone i mean if you you can go back for the last couple of years and look at dalio's uh you know descriptions of, of Bitcoin. He's, he's he's been pretty unfriendly to it in the past, oh. but that's beginning to beginning to potentially change. You know, he, he wrote this book. I gestured here. I have it somewhere in my room. Uh, the you know the changing world order, and uh, you know in it, you know it's it's hard it's hard to read that and not it's hard to read what he's writing and not come to the conclusion that Bitcoin is a huge part of the solution here. Uh, and I and I wonder, I just wonder if maybe that is the conclusion that he's coming to or 100%, i 100% but, but
1: remember as as you just said it's ha- it's hard to understand how you could write all that and not see it that's exactly the point mm. but when your livelihood depends on not seeing it Right, that's the old quote. I can't remember who who said it. Probably Mark Twain. Right, that if it's really hard to convince someone of something when their livelihood depends on them not believing it. Right. Yeah. And so
0: Upton Sinclair.
1: Upton Sinclair. Yeah, I mean, genius. And here's the thing: Ray is a mad genius. I mean, Ray is is awesome. He does amazing research. He has amazing research teams, and he understands history, which is why. I hang out with you so much because you understand history. <laughs> history is so important. And you know, Churchill's line, right? The farther back we look, the further forward we can see, uh or farther forward we can see. And you know, Ray, to your point, no way could do the work that he did and have the the depth of knowledge on the the globalization and deglobalization and re-globalization and deglobalization. And and not and not see this. And and I think he did see it the whole time. But he couldn't say that because he had been up on the WEF stage denouncing it. Because that's what they were told to do. Because if you if you're part of that cabal, right? The the, the WEF crowd, the New World Order crowd, if you're part of that crowd, to embrace the, the thing, it's sort of like the Empire and the, and the Rebels. I mean, you're either with Palpatine and, and, the, and the, the black suits or you're with, you know, Leia and Luke. And I'm, I'm with Leia and Luke. And I think that becoming a rebel means you're going to be ostracized. Now, if you're super rich, who cares if you're ostracized? Unless they weaponize against you, Right. Which is possible. Um, and then and I think the last part of it is uh, Ray also is uh, he's a he's a capitalist. He's a really good mm. capitalist. And so he is very good, as are all of the greats at. When you want to buy something, you talk shit about it and mm. get the price to go down so you can buy it cheaper. So once you ha- you know, there, there, is a, there is a method to the madness. And I remember when the Musk was making all the, the bad things. I'm like, guys, you, you realize that's what people do, right? Julian was the master of this, right? He would say, okay, we're going to go long copper. So what I want you to do is I want you to go short 50 million copper. And then I want you to go on the media and tell them that we hate copper.
0: Julian say, Robertson? Yeah. Oh, yeah.
1: I mean— I, <laughs> They were, and and Druckenmiller would do this and Soros would do that. I mean, that's what you do. If if you need to buy a lot of something, you don't just start buying it because what happens? The price goes up. You need to convince the world that you hate it. Mm. It's like if you were going to try to buy a house now in this crazy market, do you go with the money in hand and be part of the auction? Not me. I'm not, not even interested it's a perfect house.
0: Yeah, it's funny you say it because I don't think people know that. Like I, even as recently as you know, March 2020, when Bill Ackman gets on CNBC, he says hell is coming. I looked at exactly. that and I was like, oh my! I was like, oh my god! No, no, this no, guy no, no, is no, such no, a smart no, no, guy. He's saying no, that it's going to get so no, much no, no, worse. No, no. I, I think he burned a little bit of his in my at least in my book. I was like, come on, dude. I mean, look, it's one thing to say, okay, I like copper, go short. Go on on CBC, tell people, but in the middle of a pandemic, to say hell is coming, the worst isn't here yet, as part of an investment strategy, I don't know, man. I think there are some limitations to what you should do for money and your responsibility that look, you have to society. I, I, Sorry,
1: and look, he's he's got a great track record. He's he's way richer than me, so I shouldn't I shouldn't say anything negative, and I won't. But it's not surprising that he yeah. was the one doing what you just described.
0: This weekend I watched um rewatched The Smartest Guys in the Room, the Enron documentary. It's my all-time favorite doc. Uh it's just great. Um it's just it's just really good.
1: Well, uh, and and you know Bethany McLean who is just one of the best writers ever. I'm not ever. In in the, in in this generation. She's definitely mm-hmm. one of the best journalists in this generation uh mm-hmm. who basically, you know, put that all together is is incredible. She's the best. And, yeah, she's I mean, awesome. She's just awesome. And, um, and you know, it's funny. I I, I I could never find it, but we actually had the original JWM Partners pitch book. Mm. They came to Chapel Hill and they pitched us. I mean, I sat with those guys in the room and, and they were the smartest guys in the room. Mm. I actually, li- I, I like as as basically my, my mantra, and I like to be the dumbest guy in the room all the time. Mm. It means you're in the right rooms. Mm. So, uh, but these guys, I mean, we didn't invest, thankfully, but, um, and it's not because we knew it was a, a Ponzi and a fraud, but mostly because, can I, can I say dickhead on this? If we do, if I yeah, can't, sure. we'll edit it's it HBL, out. HBO, baby. But uh, uh, I have the no dickhead rule, right? Mm-hmm. And- I've only violated it twice in my life and it cost me money both times mm-hmm. and uh, I never do it again. But they violated that rule. That mm. They were...
0: Uh, you can totally see how it happens and how people get wrapped up in it. And I, I mean, my personal view is that uh, no one gets away with anything on, on a high enough level. I just don't think... Uh, th- those character flaws come back to bite you yeah. in sometimes invisible ways as well. Yeah, but you uh, know,
1: you, don't, you say they don't get away with it. They kind of did until they didn't. But why? It's because um, those really, really smart, arrogant, good-looking, so it can be male or female, um, people, people want to be around them, right? Mm -hmm. they're, They're drawn to them. And so what happens is they come in. And they don't want to ask any questions. It's literally like the the, the emperor with no clothes,
0: the halo effect.
1: You, you need the little kid to say, "Mom, the dude's naked, and it's not it's not pretty." And you have know, the halo effect. And I I talk about this one. There was this, and and I don't and I don't mean this in a, in a sexist way, but she was a very attractive woman, right? Just full stop. She was a very attractive woman, and she went out to raise a, a venture fund, and. She got uh, a very famous venture fund to give her some money and, and allow her to say, oh, they seated me. And then every one of the universities, Yale, Princeton, Stanford, Harvard, Notre Dame, all of us were like, oh, we want to be. And, and, and everyone said, oh, well, Harvard must have done the work. And Harvard said, well, Yale must have done the work. And yes, well, Duke must have done the work. And Duke said, well, Notre Dame must have done the work. No one did the work. Because they were all just hypnotized because she was, you know, attractive and smart and, and oh, this this famous firm backed her. It was a goose egg. It was so bad. Mm-hmm. We all got torched.
0: And yeah, it's perhaps. it
1: it it was it was a reminder, it was a stark reminder that, I mean, one, you have to do the work. You can't rely on other people doing the work, even if you think they're super smart. And two, don't be fooled by appearances. Actually there are a lot of lessons out of this one, but anyway.
0: Yeah. I want to end with yeah you know, what we started to talk about at the beginning here which is just where you see yeah you know, where you see us in the current market cycle for crypto because I think you know overall I think you could make arguments that um, you know certainly those who who went through the 2018 2019 cycle and certainly cycles before that I mean you're used to a complete and utter washout right like mm-hmm. I I mean it's funny a lot of the people that I talk to who just came in in this market cycle literally don't even understand in 2018 2019 years, y- you maybe nothing was going to work except bitcoin and maybe not even that right like that was the that was the the zeitgeist back then and now i mean i think that's one of the big differences is that's clearly not the case right i don't think anyone thinks that everything going on with these layer 1 smart contracts going away people don't think defi is going away people don't think nfts are going away the only question is if they're overheated and i wonder if that change in perception will lead to less ultimately being washed out um for better or worse.
1: No, look, I, I, I think it's a, it's a great analysis and and perspective, and and what I think people should really really focus on is that you can have the cycle, right? You can have the four year cycle. That, that the four year cycle. I'm saying, oh, the four year cycle is over. No, the four year cycle is going to exist because of the engineering of the having, right? There is there is. It is incontrovertible that if you cut the having rewards, there is going to be a upward pressure on prices. And that upward pressure on prices will attract speculators. And speculators will move the price away from value, both high and low. Okay, so so the cyclicality is gonna happen. And but I do think that the, the important change is the broadening of adoption, right? The yeah. 2013 cycle was still a science project. It was a bunch of nerds, and, and there was bad price manipulation uh, that pushed the price away. Tim on, he, he discussed, right? You had the bad right. price, timu- uh, price st- uh, manipulation. Well, it of, of, of Yeah. And so then in, in 2017, again, you had price manipulation, and the market was a little bigger, but it still wasn't big. Today, there isn't as much evidence of bad price manipulation. There is evidence of stupidity. Back to the story <laughs> I was just telling about, about everybody wanting in. And so valuations, you know, it's, it's like ApeCoin, right? It's a cool idea. It's a cool thing. Is the valuation right? Probably not. Um, the valuation of the DeFi assets got to levels a year ago that weren't right. Axie Infinity, the valuation, as much as I love the game and I love the the construct, the play to earn, the valuations got wrong. And if you look at them, I mean, you look at Uniswap and SushiSwap. And so these things are in downward trends. But, and so it's a long-winded way of saying, I think there is more segmentation of the market now that, and there's always been segmentation, but there was the whole idea of, of there was Bitcoin and then alts and alt season. And now I think alts is is kind of wrong because you got Bitcoin and you got Ethereum and then you got the Solana Avalanche, Polkadot, Cosmos group, and then you got the privacy coins and then you got the um, new... Um, layer ones and layer twos that are, people are trying to develop. And then you got all oh, the meme coins and the nonsense. Yeah, you know, I still contend that that Doge and Shiba
0: are goose eggs, but mm. you know, I doubt they ever go. I mean, I don't think Doge will ever die. Honestly, I think it's I just gonna, I know. Yeah. I, I, I think know. it will. I know. I, you know what? I think it's our generation's version of it. I, some people might hate this, but like silver, I actually just don't. Under, I mean, look, take this with a huge grain of salt. I, I'm an outsider when it comes to finance in general. Sometimes I look at things and I just I'm like, I just don't understand why this works like this. Uh, and I've never understood silver. Why? Yeah. If, or if if the if, and these people who always say industrial use of gold, blah blah blah. Gold exists to be a hedge against the fiat system, right? It's it's the one true money, all that stuff. I get why that exists. I don't think it's because people use it. For industrial products Mm -hmm. i don't think that's where it derives its value silver Mm -hmm. is one i just for the life of me it's hard for me to really understand what its ultimate use case is outside of just something for people to speculate on i could be wrong this is where guys comment tell me where i'm wrong
1: no it's a good point but 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 it's it it exists because governments used it similarly to gold
0: Mm -hmm.
1: right the pound sterling wasn't backed by gold. It was backed by silver, mm-hmm. right? Early money in the US, silver certificates, right? I actually have some somewhere that they say, you know, you can turn this in for a dollar's worth of of sterling silver. So, and if you go way, way back to the UK, I can't remember the exact dates, but, but there was a, a mix of gold and silver that determined the valuation of the currency. So, but you're right, it's always been a poor, you know, s- sibling to the the king. It's a king and, and queen, or king and crown yeah. prince. And and actually that works, right? It's 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 like I say Bitcoin, Ethereum, and everybody else, you know, all the other princes that hate each other, Saudi Arabia. You got the king, you got the crown prince, and then you got six thousand princes that all think they should be crown prince, but they're not. And so You got gold, you got silver, you got a bunch of other metals. You got platinum, you got palladium. And platinum makes a few rings. Some people have platinum little bar things. But the problem is you can go produce so much, the stock-to-flow doesn't work. Mm. Palladium, more industrial, you know, catalytic converters. Um, Copper, eh, too plentiful. But there was time when copper was one of the most important metals in the world. So, belief, custom, yeah, uh, is, is, but I, I do think you're right that that there could be uh, a silver to, to Bitcoin's gold. I don't believe it's Doge. It's probably Litecoin more than anything else.
0: I, you know what? That's I was gonna say that's the popular opinion. But like, what is Litecoin done? Litecoin well, is nothing, I, I guess it nothing. still has yeah. No, I mean it, it,
1: it, it's 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 just a fork, and. And here's the thing, and as, as is Doge, right? It's a fork of a fork. Um, and it, it comes down to communities. If a community believes something has value, then it has value. But my point is there can only be one true store of value, to your point, right? Theoretically. And gold has been that for 5,000 years. And I think the next 5,000, it, it, it will be Bitcoin. But... Do we need a silver and a platinum and a palladium and a gold? I mean, and a, and a copper and a, yeah, I don't know, maybe. But I also think ultimately the reason I'm still so excited about this space and I spend all my time here is because we are, are moving to a world where everybody is working in the area, but we don't talk about it anymore. And someone said, "Well, when when, when do we know that we've that this is this is real?" I so said, when, "When it's invisible, right? We don't talk about TCP/IP, but we're using it right now. Yeah. And we we live in a world, right? We're creating media or or creating an, you know investment advice. We're living in a world where we're working on top of the internet platform, the distribution of, of ideas and, and gathering data uh, through that. And, you know, we, we talk on this and, you know, Craig McCaw pioneered cellular telephones, you know, the original flip phones, wherever you just talked. Now, no one talks on these things, but not no one. But um, I think I do, I, I'm going to tie this all back to why this bear market probably isn't going to be as bad and why the dips in the, the roller coaster ride are probably not going to be as bad is the breadth and depth of people it's funny i follows movement we're guys right we're hunter-gatherers so i see a bird fly and i have to turn I'm like no I'm, I'm supposed to be talking to you sorry <laughs> um but you know see movement got it got it got it Because like that's just what guys do um that's why you know the funny thing about if my, my wife says hey go get the ketchup i open the refrigerator there's no ketchup. I closed the door. She says she walks over. She grabs it. If it's not moving, I can't see it. Mm-hmm. So it was there the whole time. But uh, the key is that the breadth and depth of people that are building things in this ecosystem is spectacular. Agreed. And it, it's you know the 2019 thing I did with you guys, the the Blockworks event in New York. Mm-hmm. And I and I gave my talk and and I talked about you know this is the greatest migration of talent I've ever seen and my favorite story is the kid comes up to me after hey would you call my mom <laughs> like what awesome. that kid's probably my mom my mom thinks you know I'm an idiot because I left the law firm to go to work for this crypto firm hey, no call your mom and he's not an idiot and he's yeah you know, I wish I could remember who it was And maybe he's watching mm. this and he'll, he'll remind me but it, it's such a great story and every day. Literally every day, I meet incredible founders, builders, people who are leaving the real world, meaning mm-hmm. finance and technology and other stuff, to come into this virtual digital. world yeah. that we're building, this digital world we're building. And it is, is awe inspiring. So cool.
0: I agree. All right, Mark, we've gone over time here. As always, uh, best hour of my week, my friend. Um, we've got to wrap it up. Mine too, but, mine too. But I will see you same time next week. All right. Cheers. Have a good one.